Well, welcome back to another episode of See Here Love. And this one, oh my goodness, you know how sometimes you, well, here's the thing. I don't know, I didn't know this next guest at all. This is like going in, I, I don't know if it's blank or whatnot, but I had no idea what she would be like. And man, oh man, Jennifer Lau, my next guest, is phenomenal. So she's the executive director of CBM, which is Canadian Baptist Ministries. And she is the first woman leader in over 140 years for this organization. So that is something to celebrate. But wow, this conversation, you know, what it takes to be a leader of people, her background and her story. She shares three lessons um, that she's learned in leading, which I wrote notes and will blow your mind in just the thoughtfulness and courage of what that means. Um, what it means to speak up against injustice as we talk about anti-Asian racism and her thoughts about that and what she has done. Soul care for leaders um, and, and just making space um, for diverse voices. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I think she's become now my next best friend and you are going to love this conversation. So get ready, get your pen out, your paper out if you're a bit of old school, or get your iPad out or your notes on your phone. So get ready for my conversation with the formidable and incredible Jennifer Lau. All right, special guest with me and really excited to get to know this amazing woman. Jennifer Lau uh, is with me here and Jennifer, it's it's like, you know, we don't know each other. So I think this is no. kind of our time to like connect and become good friends and, and hear you. In front of an audience. Yes. We get to get, become good friends in front of an audience. Jennifer, an intimate conversation in front of like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I'm really fascinating. First of all, um, you know, I love that you are executive director at CBM and we'll talk a little bit more about that role, but love when I hear about women in leadership and in leadership roles. So mm. I, let me start with the, off with this question. Have, did, have you always wanted to be a leader of people? No. Oh. <laughs> Starting with the easy ones, Melinda. Let's jump goodness. right into it. Jump right, jump into, right it. into it. That's a great question. I would say I'm probably a reluctant leader or I was a reluctant leader. Mm, okay. Where um, I had opportunities presented to me to move into leadership roles and I think I would always question, God, do you really want me to do this? Mm. Why am I doing this? Uh, who are the people who are wanting me to do this and why are they asking me? Is it just because I'm here and you know I'm, I'm a competent person, but do I really have leadership gifts? And so I think those are the questions that I've always you know, have run through my mind over these past years until finally when I did uh, pursue actually becoming the executive director at CBM, an organization I worked for 18 years before mm. uh, taking on that role. Uh, I think uh, up until then I was still reluctant, but then when I finally decided to take the leap, then I put all of my energy uh, and my, um, my oomph behind it um, to actually move into that position. Amazing. You know what, as you're saying this, I'm kind of like grinning because I'm like, there are elements where that sounds like me. And I know there are mm -hmm. many, many women out there who are like, totally get the reluctant leader. Why do you think yes. that is? I, I will say this. I've had talks mm -hmm. with my husband and men and, and a reluctant leader isn't even in their vocab. They're like, no. they're like I don't even no. have half the, half the gift. <laughs> and I just raised my hand and said, I'll lead this organization. I'm like, it is so what? true. Whereas women are like, 
Can I do it? We, I'm in the apartment. Right. We, que we question ourselves. Yes. Why do you think right. that is? I mean, I have this talk with so many women. It's this constant, yes. like, we always question ourselves. We always tend to be reluctant. Like, you know, mm -hmm. why do you think so? Hmm. I think we have, even we have biases that we don't realize. And so I think when most people think of a leader, um, a man springs to their mind or, you know, in certain roles, a man comes to mind. That's what they picture. And I think even for ourselves, you know, we coming up may have only worked for men in those roles. And so in our own minds, would I ever be a person that they would look to to move into a role like that? I think we even ask ourselves those questions. And sometimes they're not even conscious. I think they're just kind of back there. Uh, and, you know, these biases kind of spring up when we get into situations where we actually have to make conscious decisions and say, well, why couldn't I be in that role? And that's a question I had to ask myself many times. Like, why couldn't I do this? What is actually preventing me from doing this? Mm. Other than myself thinking that, oh, as a woman, I'm not what people are expecting. Um, and so I think even for me to get over that hurdle myself was one of the challenges. So what made you take the leap? I think it came to a crossroads where after being here for so long, I either had to leave the organization and allow other younger people to move into my role, because I think that was ultimately, that would be good for the organization. It's healthy to have that change. Um, or I would have to move into the, the only role that remained at CBM that really I, <laughs> I could possibly be qualified for. <laughs> and that a lot of people really had spent time nurturing me mm and helping me to move into a, into that position. They had spent time allowing me to be in a place where I would be positioned for it, um, particularly my previous uh, executive director. It really helped to, to nurture and mentor me into that role. And so I had to make that decision, like it is, what, what is it, God? Is it this or is it gonna be that? Do I leave or do I just take that leap of faith? And do I allow you to just show me what it is you want me to do? And it was very clear to me. I, I spent probably six months praying about it because I knew yeah. this was coming. And I just said, God, if you want me to do this, you need to you need to remove all of these doubts that I have about myself. There weren't doubts that other people were expressing to me. There were doubts that I had about myself. And it just was clear to me. I could hear him say, no, you need to do this. I've prepared you for this. And so I say, okay, once I put my application in, that's it. Then I, I leave it to God, whatever mm -hmm. happens. And, and uh he showed me that this was what he wanted me to do. And it was affirmed by uh, the people, the, the committee that actually hired me, but also my colleagues who, you know, have given me such great support. Jennifer, that's fantastic. There's so many elements there that are so key. You know, I think, you know, when you talk about colleagues that have affirmed mentoring, mm -hmm. the thought as a woman to say, I need to allow more space for the next generation to come up and fill my role. Mm -hmm. I think the time to pray and and really be intentional about is this the next step like the really good steps jennifer that you've taken mm. whereas i i feel and i've heard that sometimes people have just made these rash decisions and mm. and then you can see the outcomes or consequences of those but that's mm. that's really encouraging to to see you in this leadership position but what it took so thoughtful thoughtfulness mm. intentionality thinking next generation um, affirmed by people, which is really key. I think, you know, yeah. being affirmed by colleagues, you know, is really mm -hmm. important. That says a lot about how you were working when you weren't executive director, but in other roles, mm -hmm. 
uh, those are really good takeaways and learnings for for mm. anybody wanting to make that leadership step. Well done. Thank you. I hope I've learned some things, <laughs> you know, in my in my 19 years here, I hope I've learned some things about being intentional yeah. uh, and being mindful mm -hmm. in our practices. And uh, hopefully that's one of the takeaways, you know, also as a person, as a human being, just in my own, you know, as getting older, um, realizing oh, I don't need to make every decision so quickly. I can I can spend time yeah. with God and think about it and pray about it and listen to the voices that are around me. Yeah, that seems um, to so, be yes. nice about age. You know, I mean, I was always struggling. <laughs> I always wanted to be 27 forever. Um, yes. You know, rash and flexible and wanderlust kind of person. Uh, but there is something really beautiful as you get older mm -hmm. that you, you choose and are okay with the space and the pause mm -hmm. and the nose yes. and not having to take everything. Uh, there is something really freeing and beautiful about that i have found yes in my absolutely own i agree you know like before it was always like i'll say yes to everything and go 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 and yes, every yes. engagement for me and go here and go here and you know got burnt out and then just kept going because you know there's so much to do and now i'm like well i'll say no to that and yes. i don't want to work as hard with this i want to be more effective like it's yes it's nice <laughs> yes agree. yes it is <laughs> Yes, and I hope it's part of God refining us mm -hmm. as human beings too, uh, and and so I, I kind of view it that way. Um, I also know that certain personality types, and I we don't know each other that well yet, but maybe I'm, I'm maybe a little like you. I like to take on a lot yes. of things, yes, and too many things, and uh, learning kindness to ourselves. I think is part of the the growth process for us as we mature being kind to ourselves, allowing us to have space and time to just rest in him, um, time to listen. That's the, the silence to be able to mm -hmm. listen to his voice, mm -hmm. right? Because oftentimes there's, there's so much busyness, there's so much noise that surrounds us. How do we even listen to his voice when you're in the midst of all of that cacophony of sound right. and activity all the time? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, so let's, I want to get to know a little bit about you and your background. Mm -hmm. And I really, I don't have, no, there is no bio, so this is like me hearing your story for the first time. <laughs> okay. So this is great. So why don't we start maybe from the beginning, you know, where you sure. were born, your, your life growing up, uh, the work okay. you've done, you know, up until now with mm -hmm. CBM. But yeah, I'd love to know your story and then, and maybe see some markers of like the leadership mm -hmm. and, and how you got where you are. Okay. Uh, well, okay. I'll start at the beginning. I was born in I was born in Saskatchewan. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's usually a surprise to some people. <laughs> Whenever I'm out west, oh, people will hear that and they'll say, "Oh, you're a Western Canadian." <laughs> it shows you how regional we are as Canadians. <laughs> Even though I grew up mostly in Ontario, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, originally from Saskatchewan, but grew up in Hamilton. Okay. Uh, and that's where I spent most of my uh, most of my years. And then I came to U of T, University of Toronto, to do university. And right out of school, I got a job working in film production. So really? that was my first. Yeah. Wow. So that was my first. I had studied film, um, and that was really my first uh, career. That's what I thought I would be doing mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. And I worked for a wonderful man named Yafit Kodo, who is an actor. He passed away uh, recently. Um, and we worked on a TV show called Homicide Life on the Street. 
uh, for a number of years. And that was uh, the beginning of, uh, yeah, my working years. Um, and then from that, it, he decided to retire from acting and I just needed a break because we worked 14 to 16 hours a day. Uh, and you can do that when you're in your early twenties. <laughs> and, and I wasn't married at the time. So, you know, I had no children, no, I wasn't married. So yes, I could do that. But then I got into my later twenties and I thought I can't do this forever. And I really wanted to be closer to my family. So I moved back to Canada. And um, from there, I worked at a, a charitable organization uh, here in Toronto and in communications. And I realized that I really felt um, like nonprofit was kind of the new mm. thing that I wanted to be uh, involved in. But then I got, I was attending a Baptist church and somehow, I can't actually remember, I might have been my pastor, showed me this posting for a communications manager at Canadian Baptist Ministries, which was the mission organization of Canadian Baptist churches. I had never heard of CBM before. Mm. And I looked at the posting and I thought, oh, it's in Mississauga. <laughs> and I, I lived in downtown Toronto. And I grew up <laughs> so in the most important. <laughs> oh, is that right? So to the most important thing to me was like, where is Mississauga? <laughs> no, we call it the SOG. Like there were so many. The SOG, that's right. <laughs> and, and I remember driving out here from downtown. Like I lived right downtown, okay. like across from the AGO. So you were a four-way fixer. Oh, totally. I never went north of Bloor. Yeah, never went north of Bloor, right? And so I, oh, I'm driving out to Mississauga and I'm, I'm driving and driving and it was like a half hour drive. And I remember thinking to myself, where in the world is this place? I, I thought to myself, have I hit Manitoba? Because like, where? <laughs> which is just so funny because I'm from Hamilton, right? right. Which is like, west of, but west I never west. went back to Hamilton okay. once okay. after leaving there. So I'm like, okay, where am I going? Mm. So I'm driving up there, like honestly pa passing farmland at that oh, point. Oh, at that point. What, what, what year was this? Yeah. What year was this? That was in 2002. Yeah. So there were still yeah. pockets yes, of undeveloped. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so even like Heartland Town Center was still undeveloped land. Yeah, and that was way far. Like I remember it when I moved really to Canada, far. Jennifer, they were telling us about a mall called Square One. <laughs> and it was really north. It was north of the QEW yes. and we lived south. Like we lived in the Lord oh. Park area. And oh, okay. we were like, who's ever going to go to that mall that's so far? <laughs> I'm not even joking. We were like, building it. And I remember all of us are like, no one's going there. And it now, was like a 10 minute drive. <laughs> Anything north of the QEW, the Queen Elizabeth, you know, oh, Iowa, yeah. for those who don't know, in Canada. That's right. It was so far. Like you just, it was so yeah. far away. Okay, that, yeah. This is this is making me laugh. This right. Funny. So it makes sense. And the CBM okay. office is really far north. We're up at like the 401. Okay. So I'm driving there and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way, God, I'm not driving here every day. Well, why, why did I even come to this interview? Yeah. And I walk in there and I meet Gary Nelson. So a lot of people know Gary from his time as the president That's of Tyndale. Tyndale University. Yes, I know Gary. Yes. I know Gary well. And at the time, he was the executive director here. And I met Gordon King, who was the person I would be working with, my director. And I just like thought, oh shoot, I kind of know where this is going because these are two people I wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. I could see their passion and mm -hmm. just. Like they sold me on CBM and, but I was reluctant for a couple of weeks. And then finally, one day I had dinner with Gordon and his wife and he said to me, he just looked me in the eye. He said, are you, so what, what's the, your decision, Jennifer, are you going to come? And this is not an exaggeration. Every single thing in me said, say no, say no, say no. And what came out of my mouth was yes. Oh, <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> and then I ended up 
coming here and all the time just so doubting why why did I do like what was it that compelled me to say yes and I still to this day don't know what that was but it has absolutely been the most transformative time of my entire life it's the, my experience of being here was so it was, it was it, the right thing was it something in, in Gordon's food that you were having dinner that <laughs> <laughs> You know, I can't even remember what restaurant we went to, but I, I think it was Montana, so probably not. Well, that could be the that could be the reason, Jennifer. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And here so, you are for nineteen years. Nineteen years. Wow. I had. I think I've had six different roles, like different mm. um, titles, in that time. Mostly working with the Canadian side, church engagement side, uh, working with, I love working with congregations, with churches, yeah. uh, with people in our churches, global discipleship kind of stuff, uh, working on that end of things. Um, and then finally became the associate executive director uh, three years ago, and then moved into the well executive done. director role. That's mm -hmm. amazing. So, so I love to see the progression. So 19 years, you're moving, mm. you're moving, you're moving, and mm. learning and learning, learning. As in the 19 years, Jennifer, what would you say, and I love asking this because I, I ask a lot of women, three lessons you've learned in leading and leadership. Hmm. So you've got all of this wow. time, but what would you say would be three? Three is good because we can kind of capture three. It is good. So three leadership learnings or hmm. mottos you live by that, that you've learned hmm. in the journey. I think, wow. Now I need three good thoughts, Melinda. Right. But or you yeah. can do one. And, and, and <laughs> I'll do one. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. Um, I think. Well, I think the first is just there are so many. Every voice deserves to be heard, mm. and yes. we need to make space for those voices. Yeah. That's. I think for me, that's one of my primary. Uh, I think one of my primary responsibilities as a leader is to allow space, make space for people um, to have their voices heard. And you know, our staff right now, we're going through a whole process of examining ourselves, our biases um, about you know, racial justice and what that means in our organization. We have a long history. We have 147 years of history. Uh, and so we have a colonial past, you know, and we're not afraid to admit that. You know, we need to confront that. And I think all of us as Canadians need to confront that. Mm -hmm. But we as an organization, we need to confront that. And so even in this process of learning together, uh, I'm realizing, you know, who are the state, the voices we have excluded in the mm -hmm. past, you know, are, you know, and we don't want to repeat those same mistakes in the future, right, in the present. Um, and so for me, that's really critical is making space for everyone to have a voice and allowing their influence their leadership uh, to, to really rise up in the organization. And I think it, that can be absolutely transformative as a, a faith community. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for me is probably um, my number one lesson. Okay, going on to- uh, I was like, that was really good. I mean, that in and of itself, and I love that because we are about, and even for me as like a Filipino Canadian mm -hmm. woman, mm -hmm. You know what? Why I am where I am today is because people made space yes. for my voice and my presence to be in spaces that usually I, I wouldn't be either yes. invited to or allowed to. And so, what you're saying is really powerful and important to hear. I think for organizations to hear. I think the acknowledgement of 
you know, colonial past. That's a huge one. And mm -hmm. that's something that churches and organizations need to yes. confront and look at. You cannot just keep going and, and pretend and ignore that that wasn't a part of our history. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's really important. That's sure. really brave, Jennifer, mm -hmm. and good. That's so good for me to hear that mm. that is something that you're looking at. And I think, you know, what you said, every voice uh, needs to be heard a hundred percent. That's my hope. Yes. And I, and it's so good to hear yes. another woman say that that's a yes. priority and a focus. So important yeah. for next generation. So important for so now, important. but also so important for next generation to watch and see mm -hmm. us being very intentional to say, we are going to do this. We're going to make space. Yes. Excellent. Well, and I remember when I first came here, I mean, I have to say Gary really was one of those people for me. Gary Nelson was one of those people for me who created space for me. Mm -hmm and constantly affirmed my gifting and said, you have what it takes to become a leader. You just need to believe in that. Mm -hmm. And he was the person who created space for me to be in places that I would normally never have gone into um, and constantly affirmed me um, and gave me the confidence that, you know, I deserved to be there, right? Because often we tell ourselves that we don't deserve to be in these places, right? It's like, oh, we just got here by accident because mm -hmm. we just showed up here yeah. and they allowed us in, but we haven't earned our place there. Um, and so that's a lie, I think, that we tell ourselves, particularly as women, that we haven't earned a place there, right? It's just, oh, it's accidental. Mm -hmm. And realizing that's it's not accidental, you know? And I think the majority of, of women in these situations where you can move into a leadership role, you got there because of who you are, mm -hmm. because of what you have contributed, the hard work you have put into it, uh, and the way that you have worked on relationships with people, right? That people would trust you to lead them. I think all of those things, we sell ourselves short on those things, and we don't give ourselves credit for the work that has gone into um, making us who we are. It's good. You have two more lessons, Jennifer. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that was really All right. Good. Now, usually I'd be for, for anybody else. I'd be like, that's good. That's enough. But I think okay. I can pull two more from you. Okay. So that was fantastic. So every voice okay. needs to be oh, heard. Boy. Number one. Okay. Yes. Number, Number two is that no leader is an expert in everything. Oh, good one. Good one. Good one. Nice one. <laughs> Learning to listen well is Perfect. as critical as learning to speak well. <laughs> exactly. I get that. And I have I have been in so many meetings with leaders who feel absolutely obligated and, and honestly lack the discipline to not have an opinion and comment about every single topic as an expert. <laughs> Right. And so I think we can all have opinions about things. Sometimes they could, they can just stay in our head <laughs> and that's okay too. Yeah. And sometimes we have to just allow others, you know, who may be experts on those things mm -hmm. to speak on them and then trust those people to lead those things. Um, and so that's, that's a discipline that I hope that I practice more and more with each passing year is that I don't need to always be the loudest voice in the room. Mm. I don't always have to have, you know, have my opinion be the way that we do things. Mm -hmm. it, we can allow and trust other people to lead in places where they're frankly, they're more qualified to lead than we are. That's and so good. that's, that's an, that's a great one. And that's really important too, because whether it's been 
you know, as a Gen Xer, hmm. you know, what we, what I saw modeled. Now I had some other great models that weren't like this, but most leaders that I would see growing up were the hmm. dominant controlling, this is what I say. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that yes. was in the church. Yes. There's in organizations. And so you, you look at that model and you're like, okay, that's the way you're going, we're going to lead my yes. way. This is that's what you're right. all doing now. Just follow me. Cause this is what I'm saying. And this is, and, and there was no space for listening or people to share in conversation. It, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't, there was no collaboration or an openness and a safe and a safe places to share mm -hmm. and, and dialogue and have ideas. And so I think that's, mm -hmm. Jennifer, that's very good. No leader is an expert in everything. Every, yeah. Really? And, <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I think it's actually shocking to people <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. Well, and it goes, I think it goes back to people's expectations of what a leader is like, yes. because mm -hmm. I'm the first woman to ever hold this role. And so 147 years, woo! I'm the first woman. <laughs> Which is fantastic, yeah. but I'm sure I lead completely differently too. Right. I'm sure they, some people will say like, she's not what we're expecting. Uh, but also that, you know, my, am I any less effective a leader because I'm not what you're expecting? Right. Answer is probably not, but I do lead in a different way than probably anybody who came before me. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's only because of my gender, but I'm sure that is a part of it that mm -hmm. I think women have a different uh, way of relating to people. And I think that I bring different gifts into uh, leadership that probably no executive director had before. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but that doesn't mean because we lead differently that we're less effective as leaders. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. You have a third one. Do you have a third? <laughs> third one. <laughs> My third one is you need to care for your soul because leading yes. well starts from within. And so I, that is really important to me. I have a spiritual director that I am so committed to working with through uh, hopefully for the rest of my life because I really like her and we work well together and she's she's really helped me connect well to my soul and to me it begins healthy leadership begins from there from that mm. point if you're not connected with God you can't you can't lead well right the all the out, outside stuff um, just follows when everything is right in here mm. and I really fully am absolute believer in that and so spending time on what's inside is just as important as improving your skills, um, all the out, outside kind of stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Those were great three points. Okay. Those are fantastic. Good. I actually made Good. notes. I'm like, really, <laughs> okay. really, really great. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, what it means to speak up when, when we talked about number one. Mm. I think that's really important. I think, you know, obviously mm. in the past years but especially the past two years as we've kind of gone through a pandemic we have had pause to really look at history mm -hmm. in canada look at mm -hmm. you know injustice look at you know racism within our nation within our own spaces um how have how have you processed that i mean now that you're a leader mm -hmm. here what does that look mm -hmm. like i think for you personally to raise up your voice and then how are you going mm -hmm. to ensure that within your own you know organization mm -hmm. i mean as best mm -hmm. as you can i know you you know this is we're even in our organization like sure. working through it but i'd love yes. your thoughts on that i think it's really mm -hmm. important to have that conversation and to learn from one another what we're doing 
Mm -hmm. So I found myself doing something very surprising earlier this year when the shootings in Atlanta happened. And that was that I actually wrote uh, a post to be put up about, and it was very personal, um, about my feelings on the anti-Asian racism that mm -hmm. was occurring. And I, I did weigh it and I thought, okay, am I doing this as executive director of CBM as us speaking out on this issue or am I doing it as Jennifer Lau, as an Asian woman who feels this personally mm -hmm. and feels the pain of my community? Um, do I speak out on this? And, you know, I weighed those two things and I, I came to the leadership team here and I said, look, I've written this. What do you what do you think? Do you think this is something that I should just put out personally or is this something CBM can stand behind? And every person said, absolutely, CBM will stand behind you if we put this out. And the response I got from it was just like it was overwhelming to mm. me because it was so many of our Asian brothers and sisters who just said, like, thank you for taking a stance on this. Thank you for speaking out to see CBM actually come out and address mm -hmm. this directly when our churches haven't been addressing it directly really means something to us. Um, and I realized it's like it's so important for us to use our influence. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel like I'm now in a position where I have a wider sphere of influence and I have to learn how to use that well to speak up on the issues that really matter mm -hmm. um, to people and, you know, to that matter to people sitting in our churches who I have to be honest, my church never um, we were at the time we were in lockdown. Right. So mm -hmm. we were sitting at home and I, I remember saying to my husband, I said, do you think they will pray for the families of the victims of this. Do you think they will mention this on Sunday? And not a word was said. And I remember thinking, I said to him, I bet you there are a lot of Asian people right now watching their church services thinking, am I going to leave this church or not, depending on what happens on this Sunday. Mm. And I'll be honest, we were one of those people who just thought to ourselves, is this the church for us? Because obviously, um, we're not important enough to have made their list of, of prayer items that week. And I think what particularly was hurtful to us is I thought back of when there was the um, accident with the hockey players that happened in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. How Humboldt, many weeks, the Humboldt, the Humboldt, the Humboldt yes, the Humboldt yes, Broncos, Broncos, I think. Yeah. How many weeks we prayed for those fans. I mean, that was a tragic, mm. horrible situation that Absolutely, I'm not in disagreement that we needed to be praying for their families and the communities, but I thought this is also uh, another time we needed to be doing this, but why are some lives valued more than others, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the question that constantly permeates my mind is why are some lives valued more than others in our society? And so for me, it's, it's you know, that's one of the, the issues that I completely stand behind. It's like, how can I raise my voice so that I can elevate some of these conversations mm -hmm. and raise awareness uh, within our broader um, family, broader you know, constituency of churches. Because uh, a lot of times no one else is speaking up on it, yeah. right? If we don't do it, nobody else will. Mm. That's good, Jennifer. You know, you talked earlier about this heart for the church. You love church and congregation. I wanna, I wanna talk about that. I, mm. uh, hmm. I, I, here's the thing. I love the church. My whole life, I wanted to be a part of like a mega church and build it. But man, I, you know, I'll be honest, I've been struggling with yeah. the church. And I say to the church in general, as, as yes. the people within the church and what we've done institutionally, because there have been so many missed opportunities, i.e. 
you know, uh, and we talked about this on my show last year about because as a Filipino woman, even at, you know, Asian, like the, the, the racism prejudice that I've experienced in Canada because of how I look without no one knowing my story yes. about who I am made, you know, incredible things said against me or mm -hmm. about me just because of this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and I, I guess, I, you know, what I'm trying to ask is about the church. I mean, mm. I don't want to say, is there hope for the church? Because I believe there mm. is. But talk to me about what is it going to take for the church mm. to really be an important voice and presence in communities that desperately mm. need it? Because I'll be honest, I know, mm. I know with lockdown, it's been hard to be out there. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts about that, Jennifer? Because it's, mm. yeah, I've, I've struggled with it. Like, I'm like, I love the church. I'm part of a church. But then I get frustrated at the church and I get angry yes. at the church. And I'm like, speak up or do something. And then I realize yes. I'm part of the church. And so it comes <laughs> back on me and I have this continual conflict. But, you know, I mean, the conversation my husband and I have constantly in our house, he's like, Melinda. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> it really, I, you know, but. I I felt a little yeah. let down and saddened by it, oh, and yeah. I'm just trying to yes. reconcile it in my own self. And and maybe mm. as a as a sister, you know, you can kind of yeah, we can chat sure. about it a bit because I think it's really important. Yeah. I know a lot of people are feeling the same way. I have these conversations with absolutely. people all the time. Yes, absolutely. There's a whole generation of people probably oh who have left the church. Oh, they have because of how they've been disappointed by it and hurt by it. Yeah. Right? So what can I mean, we do? What, I mean, yeah, let me, I just want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's one of those, the church is one of the most polarizing entities I think that exists mm -hmm. because on one hand I've seen what it can be. So I see that mostly in the global South. So I see churches, what local churches can be in communities, uh, in places around the world. I think this is what God created the church to be, right? The center of mission in a broken world. Mm. This is what the church is meant to be. And then I see what's happening in some other places and I see how we harm, how we exclude people, mm. how we invalidate people's feelings, right? How um, we somehow make cult, we somehow have put culture before we have put scripture. And we use those things as tools to hold people back, right? To suppress people's voices. And I think, you know, <laughs> and I think in a lot of cases, you know, that needs to be called out. I'm, I'm so glad now that I think people feel more empowered to speak about their experiences because particularly women, um, I think with the church Two movement, you, you're hearing more of people's stories. Mm -hmm. Um, that were just suppressed in the past, right? That they weren't allowed to ever raise those um, stories before they weren't, nobody would even give them a space uh, to be able to share that their story and their experience or validate that it was true, mm -hmm. um, sadly. And I still think there is, there is a place for the church. We have yet to figure out how to live into it well, I think in the West, in the West. I'm gonna, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think there are local churches, congregations who are doing it really well. And I have seen that, and that for me is hope. Um, but I think there's also a good number of churches who have not yet figured out what it is God has called them to be. And part of it is, you know, just not being too inwardly focused mm -hmm. a, a lot of time, and not um, not realizing that their calling is to be is is out there, yeah. right? The calling is to send the people from the church. 
into their mission field, into the world, right? And I think once we, we um, figure out that identity again, the church can be an incredibly, I mean, if you look at the impact of the church overseas, so just globally, the, the amount of good work that is done out of local churches, like even contributing to global development, mm -hmm. right? It's done by local churches, right? That is who is on the ground and doesn't leave when the agencies leave. The local church is the, the one that's carrying out that work of transformation on the ground, mm -hmm. right? But we don't see that part of it a lot of time, right? We think of all the kind of individual pains we experience with our local church we might be attending, but there's a much greater church, capital C church out there, God's church, that is doing transformative work in so many places. But we need to hear those stories. Yeah. We don't hear them enough. Mm, so good. So with your work with uh, King and Baptist Ministries. What's what's your hope in this? Because I mean, obviously, it has a lot mm. to do with church and people. Yes. So, as a leader, what is what is your hope for, you know, uh, the people that you work with, for the churches that you mm. you will influence? I think coming out of COVID, we're going to see such huge need. the The needs of the world have just mm -hmm. grown exponentially. Yes in this time and it's going to take uh, the global community to all come together and that includes churches right we as people of faith it's going to take all of us and governments and ngos and everybody else working to help mitigate some of these impacts when you look at some of the statistics i mean it is terrifying what we're talking about 800 million people who are hungry I don't think there's a human being, I don't think there's any one of us who thinks that is right and that's what God intended, mm. right? I don't think anyone thinks it's okay that it's gonna take 136 years for women to achieve gender equity. I don't think anybody thinks that's okay, mm. right? And so I think the church has to play a huge part in that. And that includes churches here in Canada. We need to be a part of this effort right, to help restore what has been broken. Mm. Um, and, you know, we can't live in a bubble. We can't live in a, in a safe bubble inside a church building, right? There's a world out there that God is calling us to serve. And I think this is our opportunity to really, to do that together um, and to model collaboration and cooperation in a way that maybe hasn't been done in the evangelical world before. I hate to say no, that, but, good. right? There's so much division and it's like, we need to get, bring ourselves back to what we've been called to together instead of the things that divide us. Well, I think you are the right person at the right time to, to be a voice and to start this, Jennifer. Mm. Uh, wow. You are inspiring and, oh. and a great communicator. And on this, oh, I those one, two, three points, but really <laughs> fantastic. You know, how can, how can, I pray for you and we pray for you because oh. I always ask that for women in leadership. Not that I don't yes. ask that for men in leadership. I'm saying there's mm -hmm. a lot of uniqueness to us. And when a woman is in leadership, we women need to support and pray and lift up your arms and, and really, you know, support you. So how can we best support you in prayer and in other ways? Hmm. I, you know what? I'm so grateful for the support and prayers of other women. Um, and yeah, I've been part of a, a group of, of uh, female leaders that have just, we, we prayed together over the summer and, and spent time together. And it is absolutely feel like they have helped to empower me and, and allow me to do what I'm doing, I think through their prayers. 
Um, and I, you know, one of the challenges I think for women, I'm going to say, I don't know, maybe you have to cut this out later, Melinda, I'll just say. But yes, <laughs> so when I, there was, a, don't worry. There, there was a woman that I uh, used to work with and I, uh, I remember asking her, I said, well, you travel so much, like, how do you do all that you do? And she said, you know what I need? She said, what I need is not a husband. What I need is a wife at home to take care of all things. <laughs> that need to be done at home when I'm not there. <laughs> and I, I absolutely, I mean, as a woman in that kind of a role, yeah. I love my husband and he does the best that he can, but boy, it'd be nice to have another me at home who does all the things yeah. that, you know, women I do at home I am really for the family. My husband, Chris is like that. I, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I say to him, we need to kind of like help, men become almost like these renaissance men and and mm. these men so for chris and i'm on a gush because i never get to do it but so he oh. was a pastor so he's very theological like straight a's in you know uh toronto theological you know school all of that so he's very right. smart and a lot of my work with see here love i actually go through him and we talk about mm. my points incredible writer guitar player drum wow drums um bikes and skateboards. Oh my. No, I'm not kidding. He does carpentry, electrical and oh my does everything. And he also makes dinner and cleans the house. Like he's real like I'm I know. I it's it's really people are like how wow. but he's really like that. Like he he loves the kitchen clean. He likes to clean things. He oh does my goodness. the mopping and the vacuuming, makes the bed every morning. It's a big thing. I was just hearing on some of the on on Sportsnet they're talking about do men actually make the bed and I was like gonna tweet in like my husband every morning but he's also but, but I asked him I go what is it? he goes well I mean his his whole story Jennifer is amazing and what how he had to mm. be that way but he just was like I'm kind of the guy who who knows these things are important and I know mm. that these things are important to you because he's very different he's a lot more introvert than I am so okay. we've had to talk about like the partnership where I'm out mm. doing that somebody has to do mm. it and We've talked a lot about gender roles, what we need in partnership, how we flex. But I think also I just said, man, if you could help train other men uh, to do that, because I'm <laughs> be amazing. He gets we get he gets called from some of my friends to go help them do stuff at their house, and I'm, I'm not outing wow. people because their husbands can't do it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and again, yeah. I'm just like that's something really important. But I and so that's, that's been huge. a huge support for me. I mean, I've been. Oh, doing amazing. this and for you know we've done five years of we've just celebrated five years of marriage but in all that while i was launching my own mm. senior love chris literally at home i would come home from a taping and dinner would be made houses clean and then he'd bring out his guitar and i know i'm bright and then just play music i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> i feel so happy for you i guess <laughs> i didn't even make you feel like but i was just like no possible. <laughs> Now, like thousands of women are going to be. I know, but I mean, talking to their husbands like, after Melinda, this. Like Melinda, you need to be Chris, and that's not. I know, but I just said it's really interesting because Chris has really talked about what it's going to take. And so, when you think about men's roles, and again, this is gender roles, it's been really amazing and freeing to have a husband who's like, I can mop the floor if it needs to be done. I'll I'll do that. I'll do the laundry and I'll cook. Like if that's because you're busy, oh. but. It's really, that's been a really that's important amazing. thing. And I think that's one thing I actually have, because I'm in a lot of different women's groups. We've actually prayed about mm. roles within the home, expectations within the home 
flexing and supporting in the need, especially because yes. a lot of my girlfriends, Jennifer, are leaders, CEOs yes. in media mm -hmm. and figuring mm -hmm. that out. So I get that. I, I just feel like, wow, God, that was, you know, such a answer to prayer Amazing. to have someone like a Chris. And he's going to be so embarrassed Absolutely. I just said all this. <laughs> but I sometimes you just need to gush and be like, oh, oh you did. he deserves that. Yes. And you know what, how that he models that for children your children i'm presuming you guys yeah, have yeah, children yeah, but maybe yeah. you don't and oh, we're okay. in a blended family so chris his kids okay. started so we've got two teenagers nate and sophie but yeah they see it yeah like there's no modeling that for your kids is amazing yeah. to see so right so... it just breaks down all the gender oh it totally does. stereotypes like, that's, and all this, of that so I, yeah we all do it like there's no like okay now mal is going to cook it's like no dad can right. cook if mal's right. doing this yeah. and then I, you know what i mean like it's just fantastic yeah. so i get yeah. that sorry I, that wasn't the answer no, know, that you were asking me about <laughs> this is how girlfriends talk but i get i get the wife thing because if i didn't yeah. course, i get it i absolutely yeah. get that so um okay so yes. so for support um and prayer yes. requests we'll go back to that I'm, I'm making yeah so going back to i mean my my dear husband i mean he has a he's a busy job but um he tries his best to do his part for sure. And, you know, he doesn't view taking care of kids as, you know, babysitting. He knows that yeah, that's, no, he's being a, so a parent. That, yes. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, he's my partner for sure. Um, but I would say now that travel is opening up, so I haven't traveled yeah. in this whole time yeah. this last year. Right. And so for my job, usually there's a lot of travel involved. I haven't visited any of our field partners or our field staff. I will have to resume travel okay. this year. And, and that just has its challenges mm -hmm. for my kids, particularly, yeah. and for my husband to just juggle the schedules more. So I just say, pray for my family. Uh, my daughter's going to be a teenager. She's, well, she's 13, she's turning 14 yes. next week. <laughs> she's in high school yeah. and you know, they're challenging years. She has particular, um, I guess she needs particular support yeah. you know, in the teenage years. And sometimes I won't be there yeah. right for that. So it's just wisdom for my husband, I think, and support for the family while that's oh, happening. That's we have great friends who help out. So I'm very grateful for them. Um, I guess also just, let's see. Uh, I guess also just for CBM if people and not just CBM, but other mission organizations, you know, and other other international development or agencies as well yeah. who are all working together to try to help people who are still I think we in Canada were pretty blessed that we're, we feel like we're coming toward the end of the pandemic or nearing yeah. the end of the pandemic, hopefully, oh, hopefully um, yeah. but hopefully but you know there's so many people around the world who that is not a reality yet right there are they say that some countries it'll be 2023 or 24 before they'll have access to vaccines for everyone right and so it's kind of that justice question of you know why are some lives more important than mm -hmm. others right if you live in a wealthy country why do we get to throw them away while other yes. people don't yeah. even have basic access yet right so these are the kind of questions i think it's just the work that we do um i think if you could pray for our team here like we have an amazing staff we have such a great staff here leadership um so resilient and resourceful um men and women um if we could pray for our team here yes. i would be i'd be thrilled if we could do that yeah amazing and how can we learn more about cbm if people are interested in the work that you're doing how do they mm -hmm. They can go on our new website. We have a new website, so cbmin.org. We're also on Instagram, we're on Facebook and Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, come check us out. Yeah. We have awesome, awesome resources. So our 
our communications team, honestly, I know I'm so biased, but they are brilliant. They are brilliant. Wow, I love hearing that. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah, they are. Jennifer, thank you Sounds so good. much. I wrote so many notes down. I mean, if people could really just see all this, but like, here's all of my notes. And oh my I goodness. Wow. We're talking. Okay. So thank you so much. We will be praying. Thank you. you. Uh, in your leadership, in as you lead CBM, um, so in much. your family, relationships, marriage, in, in so many things. Thank you for just your voice, your leadership. I'm glad you said yes when you wanted to say no. And, um, <laughs> yeah, thank you for just making space for Next Generation and the work that you do. So it was a pleasure uh, chatting with you today. Yes, with you too. Great to meet Thanks you. so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer Lau, executive producer of, oh my goodness, I said executive producer. <laughs> well, the funny part is, is that she's actually executive director, but she was a producer. I didn't know she was actually, she has film background before she became um, working and executive director at CBM. She actually worked in film, which was a real shock to me, which is neat. So maybe that's why I said executive producer, but no, executive director, Jennifer Lau, uh, wow, so many things. I really hope you took notes. In her three lessons of what she's learned in leading, you know, every voice needs to be heard. No leader is an expert in everything and uh, that you need to take care of your soul. Three things every leader needs to know and to do is amazing. And just her thoughts on making space for next generation, for diverse voices, uh, wow. You know, pray for her. She shared some prayer requests. Pray for her, her team, her family. And as women who are listening, we need to constantly be praying for and supporting and cheering on women in leadership as they take courageous steps to move forward, uh, to make a difference in their community, to speak up against injustice. There's a lot of things against us. So as women, let's rally and really support Jennifer in her work. And... You know, I think it's just a good reminder for myself, you know, uh, as a woman leader to, to remember to always make space for next generation um, in the work I do and also to, to be mindful of other women leadership and to cheer them on. So, and as we do, I love as I always close, but as we do this, you know, as we look at the church and what's needed uh, in the church to make real change, um, as we look at being a voice of justice and care and kindness. Know that as you do this, you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. We're cheering you on, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R, 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.